Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lobet. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the fourth week in God's created order. The tenth day of January, 2024th year of our Lord. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your word this morning. As we continue to learn about the Passion Week and the teachings and the, and the events that takes place around this one specific week that takes so many chapters to go over. I pray heavenly Father that you, that, that the learning will will edify our hearts and strengthen our faith. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. And we are in Matthew chapter, good morning to you, and we are in chapter um, 21. Hold on, I've got one thing to do. Talk quietly amongst yourselves, and we'll get there. Forgot this part. (laughs) All right, hang on. And there we go. Where are you? There we go. Hold on. Let's see how that works out. All right. We may be all right. There we go. And we'll bring it right there. Forgot to bring up the camera. Forgot to set the camera up. All right. Yes, it's another fine day in the Lord. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22. And this morning we're going to start with 33. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. See, this became a little bit more problematic for the, uh, for these religious leaders because, uh, Jesus was growing in popularity. He was, he was creating more of a following. They were, um, uh, you could you could imagine a debate, kind of a debate, and the the mood of the crowd and expression of the crowd when they're more enthusiastic to one debater than the other. Um, and you can call this a debate, but I call this um, Jesus taking taking his antagonist taking his antagonist to school. It looks like a it looks like a lopsided tag team wrestling match. One group would go in and they would um, they would bring their attack to Jesus, seeking to discredit him, seeking to and what they're doing, and they'd bring an audience with them, an audience, and make sure that the audience was around because these arrogant uh, prigs, um, you know, they thought that they they knew it all and that. They had no problem with this, and they they rolled up their their sleeves, and they're ready to go in for a fight. So they have an audience because they want the audience to see, and that when Jesus discredits himself, the only problem is Jesus never discredits himself. And the more he does this, the more the crowd start. He, he, the the religious leaders they lose credibility. Jesus gains credibility. Brings me back to what John says: I must decrease, he must increase. John was doing it willingly. These religious leaders were doing it <laughs> uh, unwillingly. And um, so anyway, uh, 
So Jesus is in control of every step. You see, here's another problem they have. They, the religious leaders, especially the Pharisees, they wanted to kill Jesus. These, the, they were murderers. They wanted him dead. They wanted him out of the way. But they didn't want to do it during Passover. Because that would cause, that would cause a great disturbance. You know, all attention was centered around this Jesus. And they had to be careful because they did not want to upset the apple cart. Well, neither did the, the, uh, the Roman, uh, the local Roman authorities. Remember the, uh, Pax Romana, keeping the peace. And so, um, there was a careful balance that everybody had to play. But Jesus, God, had, had everything in timing. You see, Jesus had to go, going to the cross, which was going to happen in a few days. It's going to take us a few months to get there, apparently. But in just a few, a uh, couple days, he's going to go to the cross. And, um, and the, and it's going to happen in, in coterminously with, with the Passover. The, he is the Passover lamb. And at twilight on the 10th day of, or 14th day of Nisan, when all the lambs, Passover lambs are being slaughtered, Jesus is going to be, uh, crucified. And it's only going to be on Jesus' timing. So he forces the religious leaders' hands that they have to make a move. Matthew 22:34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. Okay, they joined forces. They're coming together. They, the Pharisees, again, were the super legalists, and the Sadducees were your liberals. Neither group cared for the other. Their hatred toward Jesus brought them together just as it would be Pilate and Herod. When Pilate and Herod were, didn't have anything in common except for what do we do with the Jesus? Um, and because of this, they would form a mutual admiration society or uh, between one another. And then today, we have the same thing today. The, um, the Muslim... In a, in a society, the world that wants world peace, everybody to come in harmony with, with one another and, and they disavow violence and hatred. Well, they will, they will lift up and they will, they will, um, they will lift up Islam as a religion of peace, as a religion that um, uh, peace and harmony won't even think about accepting that as a truth. Islam is a religion of violence and and hatred and um uh, and uh, listen, Christians are not not lopping off people's heads. They're not holding people in in um, subjection to their their um I uh. And to their religious ways. But because it's not Christianity, because it's not Judaism, then the world befriends Islam and lifts it up as a, as a ideology of, of peace. 
simply because it goes against the Christians and the Jews. The concept is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Matthew 22.35, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. And this word here, the lawyer, let's see, but the Pharisees heard this, um, one of them, a lawyer, and this lawyer is uh, a nomakos. Let's see what a nomakos, uh, bring it down, nomakos. We'll go to Mounts this morning on that. And Mounts calls it nomakos, a, uh, pertaining to law, relating to the Mosaic law, as a one skilled in the law, a jurist, a lawyer, an interpreter and teacher of the Mosaic law. And this guy is a expert in, in, in the law. He studies day and night on it. So by the time this examination is over, between the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, the lawyers, and everything else. It is going to be that Jesus, because what, what's happening here? I've already said that coterminous is the Passion Week. What's happening this week in the, in the celebration of the feast, the commemoration of the Passover, that um, the labs are being inspected. This is exactly what's happening with Jesus. He's being inspected. And by the time it's all over, it's going to be without question that there's nothing that no one can, can, um, can, uh, no one has anything against him that is anything legal in the legal sense. So among the Jewish leader experts, there was an oncoming attempt on this. He says, there's one Jesus coming back. Let's go back to our passage. Let's not lose this. All right. So, but when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Uh, which is, which is, and he's asking, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You see a debate is going on among the Jewish legal experts. There was an ongoing attempt to prioritize the commandments. This debate is which is the most important, which 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 commandment holds more um, more credit than the other. Uh, which one should we certainly certainly follow? Which ones that we can uh, certainly break? Kind of interesting because we if you're honest, you get the Ten Commandments, and there are those people that we find throughout the Gospels. They pride themselves on keeping the uh, the, command, uh, the keeping the commandments. And if you're truly honest with yourself, even today, we recognize that we can't keep the commandments. That yeah, you know, thou thou shalt not steal. Have you ever stolen anything? I think just about all of us can say, yeah, I mean, and listen, I'm not talking about grand theft larceny, but taking something that's not yours. Uh, have you, have you lied? Have you plagiarized? Has you, have you talked falsely against someone? Um, have you murdered? Remember, 
But Jesus said um, that if you if you have hatred toward your brother, uh, you're already guilty there, or or coveting. Um, and these things, we're guilty of the law. So, um, so the legalists would say, okay, let's do this. Let's prioritize. These are the ones that we surely cannot break. These other ones, we'll try our best. But the, what what are the ones that we surely can't break? And this is the question that they're bringing. So there's a, there's those on both sides of the aisle. And so if Jesus says this, then those on the left side of the aisle will then have the basis to attack him. If he says that, or this other thing, then on the right side of the aisle, then they have the basis to attack him. Because there's two sides of the argument. And they're asking Jesus to take one side of the argument so they know which side that they can attack him on. And and as Satan normally does, what they're trying to do is wean the support off of Jesus. Wean the support, and Jesus becomes a debatable subject rather than someone to follow. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. And he said to him, You shall love, this is the answer of the Lord. He said, You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we spoke of the arguments Monday and Tuesday of those who seek to bring their opinions to the table about God, about the Bible, and about the spiritual things. And so, before we go on any further there, Mr. Antagonist, let me just ask you a question. Let me, let me bring a question to you. You've got all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted. You know your Bible and you know your arguments and you got things set and you think you come to the table with your, with your highest questions and that you've got, I think you've got the answers ahead of time. Let me ask you a question. Where are you in your love for the Lord? Where, where is your love for God? Because a legalist is more concerned with himself. He's got eyes on himself. And um, I've known people that can draw the can draw Bible verses faster than they can. Um, like Matt Dillon can draw a six shooter. They, um, they 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 they'll quote Bible. They'll they'll even go to church. They they talk about their. Uh, church programs and what they're busy doing for the Lord and everything. But when it comes right down to it, they have no spiritual grounding. They have a good talk. But when it comes to, to spiritual matters, they, they fall apart. And they're, they're pretty much like anyone else. Uh, or they look, they, they, um, on a given day, they may look good, they may act good, but on another given day, they're just as a base as anyone else. Um, so yes, they can be, there are, there are those others that they may have a little bit of doctrine under their belt. Just a little bit. They may, 
They may not be able to navigate through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. They may still have to look up in the index to find where Genesis is. They know just a little bit of doctrine. But they're sincere in their love for the Lord. They're faithful with the little bit that they do know. And um, and yeah, okay, I admit, they can be a little bit over the top with their amen brothers and, and their Jesus wearers. You know, their, the clothing they wear, the Jesus wearers, uh, four nails or whatever that, uh, and different things that they wear and their clothing. Okay. They're adolescent believers, you know, and, and we're patient with them. But I have to give them this. They have a genuine love for the Lord. Probably more, uh, they do more so than the legalist who has a lot of, let's say, doctrine and Bible under their belt, but yet they're without wisdom and, and the, these people without wisdom and, um, without, because knowledge, listen, knowledge is not wisdom. Knowledge is just, just a bunch of, um, facts that's stored up in, in one's thinking. But wisdom is the proper use of knowledge. It's taking the knowledge and being able to apply it to one's life. Okay? So, we all had to start somewhere, folks. We all started somewhere. So the important thing is that the love for the Lord drives our longing to seek God. We all started somewhere. And, and it is, and I will say, I've, I've often said sincerity and, and good intentions doesn't, don't get you anywhere, but let me just say, um, a sincere love for the Lord, and I'm bringing in that word sincerity, and, 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 and the intentions of, of growing in the Lord, it does count for something. When it brings us to the Word of God, to seek God, through his word, to grow in his word. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Okay, so coming back to Matthew 22.37. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Notice this. That the Sadducees who argued from a standpoint of the Torah. Oh, and, uh, oh, not, it wasn't, yeah, the Sadducees. Remember, the Sadducees, they dis, disregard the rest of the Bible, um, rest of the, uh, the writings and the prophets. They're only, they're only the experts in the Torah. So when the, when these, when these um, Sadducees came, they brought with the argument coming from the Torah. Well, the Lord says, fine. You chose the battle place. Let's go to it. And the Lord takes them back to the Torah, and he, he correctly schools them on the Torah. Now, the lawyer is the expert in the law, and he atta- which is part of the Torah, by the way. He, he, he attacks on the basis of the law. Okay, Jesus says, I'll... I'll grant you that, since you take me there, since, since that's where the, your battleground that you choose. Let's go to the second law, the Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, remember, the same thing when the tempter came to Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 4 during his temptations. 
There was three temptations. Each time Jesus takes the tempter back to the second law, Deuteronomy. So he takes it back to the, the, the Ten Commandments. He says the first and foremost is your relationship with God. And let's take a look at these commandments. Um, the first five, the first five commandments are, um, are God, are relation based with God, is God relation. And just as a review, you shall love, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have, um, no other gods before me. You shall not make no idols. So you have one, um, uh, God were, uh, or, or pagan gods, not worshiping pagan gods. Two, you shall not have any idols, idolatry. Three, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God uh, in vain. You shall not take the Lord your God in vain. Number four, to keep the Sabbath day. Um, and then number five is honor your father and your mother. All four of these are authority orientation to God. It is, uh, all, or all five of these are God relation. Even the, even the fifth one, honor your father and your mother because they're your trainer. They are the ones who, who God has, has given stewardship of the, the children to. The, the parents are stewards of their children, training them, a godly mother and father, Training their children to to love the Lord, we uh, we and their devotion. Not as a reminder, not school. It is not it is not your Sunday school. It is not your church. Parents, you are responsible before God for raising up godly children. Deuteronomy six five through seven. You shall love your Lord. Or love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, to your children. Um, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise up. And, and so, to what, to what, um, Conclusion, that they may be raised up, that your children may be raised up to love the Lord your God as you love the Lord your God. And then we have the, uh, then we come to the set. Once you've got that in place, once you've got the first five in place, let me, let me put it this way. You're struggling with sin. You're struggling with those things that those weaknesses, and we all have them. You're struggling with those weaknesses, and you just can't overcome your weaknesses. It's not a five-step program. If you're struggling with with substance abuse, pornography, uh, sexual sins, um, you name it. And you just say, "I, I just have this weakness, I have this sickness, I have this... Shut up! And you may have a, you know, we go back to sincerity. Your sincerity, 
you're frustrated because you're sincere and you want to overcome these things, but you can't overcome these things because let me ask you a question. Where is your relationship with the Lord? Because if you get the first five right, you're going to have the others right. You're going to have a handle on the, the, the weaknesses in your, because if you're struggling with sin, it's not about the, it's not about your struggle and it's not about how strong your temptations are. No. It's about your love for the Lord. Get the first five. And basically what Jesus is saying here in, in his, in his reply. Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And these other things are going to fall together. These other things are going to come together. Alright, that's, so, um, the other, the other five, you shall not commit murder. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. These are, these are man relations. These are directed toward men. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. So, if you have the first five down, if you have them loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, then the second five will fall in place and you will love your neighbor as yourself as we find in Leviticus 19.18. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the sons of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord. Now, while Jesus speaking, and this is cool, because remember, we talked about the audience, but also in this audience are other scribes and other, other Pharisees and religious leaders, and there, uh, and there's people around watching this showdown. And, um, there are those scribes, just because their name, and just because they have a title scribe, and even the title Pharisee, or uh, like Nicodemus, there's going to be those that have come to this argument with the fact that Jesus is a bad guy, that he has to be taken down. And so they've, they've been inculcated with this guy is against everything that that we stand for, everything that God stands for, like Saul of Tarsus. And here's the scribe in this crowd, he's he's listening, he's listening, and probably not just him, but maybe others as well. Um and they're they're very much sincere about their about relationship with God. And and to this point they're thinking Jesus is a public enemy number one. But they're listening to the word that he's speaking. And they're, they're hearing him. And we go to Mark 12, 32. Mark 12, 32. The scribe said to him, Right teacher, you've truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love the one's neighbor as yourself is much more than burnt offerings and sacrifice. You see, Jesus' words has touched his heart. And when Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you're not far off from the kingdom of God. 
Remember, he tells Nicodemus, lest you be born again, you cannot even see the kingdom of God. After that, no one ventured to ask him any more questions. See, the, the scribe wasn't taking sides, but sees clearly that the commandments, at, at what Jesus was talking about, is the word of life. And it works together with the living document. This, this kind of reminds me when you, when you see, um, <laughs> when you see the, uh, and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Let me do one thing here. When you see the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they normally come with two, um, two, you have a, um, you have one that's doing the talking and you have the other that, that's a follow on. That's the little protege. He's, this one's learning, this one's learning the, 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 how to walk the, how, how to do this. And you see this, this the young, this the young one, the protege. And so when, when you're talking with the Jehovah's Witnesses and you're answering the questions, you're, you're, you're laying out the truth. And yeah, you want to win both over, um, and, 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 to, and it's, it seems to be hard to do. I don't know if anybody ever had some success at this, but you really want to create the doubt in the mind of that young person that's, that young in the Mormon faith and that what they're following is a cult and that presenting the truth in a calm, in a non-debatable fashion and showing them the word of God, having the Bible open, asking the right questions to bring enough doubt uh, for this young person that they may, that they may see that what they're following is a, is a cult altogether. I could, you can do more than that. I, I suggest that if you want to learn more about how to answer and and about these cults, um, Walter Martin online has a great uh, doctrine or um, kingdom of the cults. You can look that up online and watch that. I think there's a number he goes over Jehovah's Witness and all that. Okay, just side note on that. So after that, no one would venture to ask him any more questions. Why? Because they are realizing that Jesus is making fools out of them. And that the truth is beginning to resonate and that there is a cause of defection even among their ranks. So, again, what are they doing? They're decreasing while Jesus is increasing. Exactly what John said that he must do. I must increase, says John, or decrease, says John, because he must increase. But they started it. And Jesus isn't going to let them off easily. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity of fellowshipping in your word this morning. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll continue to, as we take in these lessons, let us draw in our love and our appreciation for the truth and for our Lord Jesus Christ, for the Father, that our spiritual lives, that in this world to recognize that this world is just a temporary passing through. That one day we're going to be absent from the body, receiving our new bodies, that we stand before our Lord Jesus Christ. 
and let us give a good testimony. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Lord will and Spirit guide. Rapture Penny will be back here at the AN. Joining us. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons, and get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.